Noel. How's things? Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> Noel, Monelli or Monelli? It's, oh, look, this is the, the age-old question. Um, <laughs> over the west of Ireland, it's Monelli. Uh-huh. And then, for some reason, over the east, everyone just says Monelli. Okay, because so I was saying Monelli, and then we were watching your documentary, and it said, you said Monelli. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Monelli or Monelli or whatever like that, you know? Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Niall. Niall. But, Niall, myself and Cormac met you at a Brettwalk retreat. Yes. Which was a great retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of synchronicities, I noticed, when me and you were chatting. Mm-hmm. With the men's work. Yeah. Different things like that. So, it just came into my head to that it it'd probably be a very good podcast if we mm-hmm. did one up. So that's why I contacted you there. What you do is you're a psychotherapist. Yes. And what I think would be very interesting for people to know is what it was that happened in your life that led you down that road to okay. wanting to help other people in that way. Okay. Um, it's a long story, yeah. but I'll just try to give you a quick kind of synopsis. Um, I was in the the gym industry, the fitness industry, and I owned a gym for about eight years. And we actually started a podcast in the gym, just to, like about maybe, I'd gone on maybe seven, six, seven years ago. And we used to just talk about health and fitness and nutrition or whatever, me and the coaches at the gym. So then I decided one day, I don't know what, I don't know what came along or whatever like that, or what even, I can't even remember what possessed me to kind of like, I think I just need to talk about my mental health. Cause I, um, I suffer from depression anxiety suicidal ideation and a suicide attempt um back in the early you know um like back in like about 20 or 2005 2006 around you then? Uh, 24 so about 24 years of age I, I kind of fell into um a bad way mentally or whatever um again i won't kind of go into that because that's another long story in itself or whatever you know but um so I'd done a podcast on my own. So I just locked myself in my office in the gym and I'd done a podcast um, on my own. And I talked for about maybe 30, 40 minutes about wanting to take me on life, about attempting it, about all of this kind of stuff, whatever, you know. And I just put it out there. And I don't know, I still to this day, I don't know what made me do it and what gave me the courage to do it. Because that was a very, I had to be completely vulnerable. A lot of people didn't know this. A lot of people were training in my gym, but didn't know the backstory, didn't know, you know, to see this, you know, persona of this guy walking in, owns a gym, fitness, health, lifting weights, strong, this, that, and the other, you know, and that was maybe the persona that people perceived of me, but it wasn't the reality of how I felt and how I did feel when I was younger, you know? Um, so I, I, I put it out there and cut a long story short, um, Irish independent newspapers, radio stations and stuff like that picked up on it. This was before kind of like Brezzy or Blind Boy were talking about it, whatever. And um, it just, yeah, we'll say it went viral, we'll say in some way, whatever, you know. And um, people just start contacting me from all over the country for months after. Like I'm talking about hundreds of people contacting me about their own mental health. Thank you very much for opening up. It's after giving me the confidence and nearly giving them, them the permission to open up about their own mental health. And this was like from people from all, you know, corners of the country. So I kind of went, hang on here. You know, I think this country is sick. I think there's a lot of people in this country that are suffering mentally. But this wasn't in the mainstream media at the time. You know, we're talking six, seven years ago, you know. Um, you know, it wasn't on the radio, it wasn't on TV. People weren't talking about it. Blind Boy wasn't talking about it on podcasts. Brezzy wasn't talking about it. People weren't really opening up about it. 
Um, so I was like, I need to do something about this, you know. Um, so I just decided to go back to college and to um, to get qualified to be a psychotherapist. And because what the information I was given to the people that were contacting me, number one, I needed to understand what I what I could say back to them, what ethically, you know, that I wasn't going to cause even more issues in their life or whatever, which came with it with its own burden. Like, am I saying the right thing? You know, like, is what I'm going to say to these people, you know, going to help or hinder their own growth? Uh, and that came with its own pressure. So I had to make sure I need to go back and learn about all this kind of stuff. So I am not you know, causing more trouble in people's lives. And um, I wanted to know about myself as well, because as much as I talked about mental health and my own struggles, I probably didn't get to a level um, that I was happy with. And what happened to me in when everyone was contacting me, it weighed heavy on me. I didn't understand boundaries at the time. So I'm getting like phone calls and I'm getting like called out of bed. Not many people notice whatever, but phone calls at all hours and I'm leaving my house and I'm like going around the middle of the morning trying to find people who are, you know, attempting to take their own lives. I'm going to events and I'm spending most of the time in the toilet, you know, trying to trying to, to, to help people that are contacting me or whatever. So... Um, I didn't understand boundaries at the time and it weighed heavy on me and I felt myself, my mental health slipping back to where it was, felt myself slipping back to kind of depression, felt myself slipping back, you know, wore out. I was trying to run a gym. I had like a handful of employees and now all of a sudden people all over the country were reaching out and I was this kind of like beacon of hope maybe to some people and that came with a lot of pressure and I burdened myself with, a, with it. So um, college for me was, you know, I can only take a client as far as I've gone myself. So if I don't go back and learn my own shadow, my own persona, my own, you know, deepest, darkest, like I can't take anyone or I can't hold anybody when they want to go there and themselves. So that's kind of where it all kind of came to. And I just went back to college and it's just kind of taken off since. Um, and then that's where I am. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. I didn't know that. That's a, it's some amount of pressure. Yeah. I even like I don't understand it to that level. Yeah. But I get similar things at times with, with when it comes to people wanting help with addiction. Yeah. Because they seem to look at me and see, oh he's come out the other side. Yeah. Um so I do I do understand that pressure and the whole am I hindering or helping their yeah. progress? So yeah. I will only tell them things that um the basics. Yeah. Do you know of like looking for help or whatever? I mm. don't want to tell them specifics of what to do because I know what I did that worked for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe not work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can suggest things, but like you said, um, there is a lot of pressure with that. Mm. There is, and different parents asking, "Can you speak to my kids?" And yeah. like what me and Carmen could always say, we won't ring them because I do truly believe when it comes to that kind of thing, unless. It's the person themselves wants to change. If they're the one that's going to make the phone call, mm-hmm. it's it's pointless. Mm. But um, that's kind of off topic anyway. But um, no, but, but, but I, uh, you are right, and I think the way you're handling it is incredibly well. Um, because I think there's a lot of um, maybe people out there who get themselves out of certain mental health situations or whatever or mental mental illness, and um. 
that the first thing that they, may, they might want to do then is kind of like, oh, well, I got myself out of this, so mm-hmm. I'm going to start telling everybody how to get out of this. And it's not always the right thing to do. And we got to be careful of that because, you know, people talking about their mental health is somewhat kind of new um, to society and stuff. You know, and like, you know, when you're suffering from mental health, you do feel a little vulnerable. So who do you trust in? So there could be people out there with a massive amount of following that's given mental health advice. And you're thinking, hang on, are you qualified enough to be talking about this kind of stuff or whatever? You know, just because we got through mental health issues doesn't mean we understand mental health mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. If I have a back injury and I get myself, I rehab myself, you know, mm-hmm. I understand how I got myself out of it. But that doesn't mean I'm a physio. Yes. You know, some people need to be qualified. Now, you can brush over things and you can give them the general, this helps me approach. Amazing. Perfect. But anything beyond that, we need to be very careful mm. that we're pushing them towards professionals. Yes. We're pushing them towards professional help and not just kind of, yeah, look, this hero complex kicks in and, you know, mm. I, I can I can deal with everybody's mental health and I'll write a book on the six or eight week transformation of your mental health. And you're like, you know, you're not qualified you know, to, to talk about these things. And you can actually do more damage when we think, you know, we're not staying in our own lane at times and we're not pushing people towards, you know, the proper practitioners when it comes to kind of, you know, about talking about mental health or whatever or dealing with things. It's not something you can just go to a workshop or do or, you know, talk about for a weekend. It's like, okay, good luck, see you later on. You know, it's, it's a consistent process. You know, and so I think your approach is is really well uh, taught out, you know, and um, I think it's the best approach to have is kind of just to make sure that you're relaying. I think Blind Boy does it perfectly, whatever. He does a lot of research, but he always kind of like talks about this is just my experience mm-hmm. and he doesn't try to, you know, um, say move out of his lane he doesn't try to kind of like step into a psychotherapist yes kind of he stays in his own lane and he just says this is what helped me mm-hmm. um, and he talks about it in a general way with very very intelligent and backed up kind of research yeah uh, from people maybe smarter than him that know stuff but you know we got to be very careful who we listen to when it comes to our mental health yeah when um, we're in the skills like that we will share um our own experiences mm-hmm. we'll share some of the stuff that helped us but always say to the students, like if they have any questions, mm-hmm. to please ask, mm-hmm. and we will pass them on to the relevant parties that can help. Yeah, I think you're just like you said, you're falling, you're you're going about it the wrong way, trying to deal with all that <clears throat> stuff yourself. Agreed. You know? Because you need to understand yourself, you need to understand boundaries. Mm. A lot of people who come through things then have this kind of hero complex mm. and want to fix everybody, and it's like it's commendable, really commendable. The people's hearts, I think, in the right place. But again, it's 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 how we approach these things. We should always be kind of like there for people, but then, you know, leaning them towards getting professional, mm-hmm. consistent help. And it's consistency that gets you over uh, addiction. It's consistency yeah. that gets it's weekly kind of, you know. It's like with any training. Yeah. Like with any training, you're not going to go into the gym. If you want to change your physical, what, well, as in your physical, what people can see, mm-hmm. like your muscles. Mm. Um, if you want to change them, you're not going to change them in one weekend. Agreed. You're not going to change them with a couple of sessions. Yeah. It's a consistent thing and the same for your mind. Yeah. Do you know, um, yeah, it's consistency with everything. But even, even with a book, you know, mm. like even reading a book, you know, we can read all the books in the world, but if we're incapable of reading ourselves, we won't learn anything. Mm. 
So a lot of people are getting the self-help books and there's a lot of charlatans out there kind of selling this, you know, you know, quick fixes and any of this kind of stuff or whatever. And, but, but, you know, a lot of the time the answers aren't in books because we can read all of the information, but we need to take action and we need to understand ourselves. And if you're not sitting across from somebody, maybe, and somebody's asking you these questions and, you know, having to sit in the discomfort sometimes of who you really are, that's where change comes from. You know, so I just can't stress enough how I would recommend seeking professional help if you are out there now, even listening to this, and you feel like you're struggling with your mental health. Uh, like reach out to Pieta House, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a text message, or to a therapist or somebody that's qualified to talk in that realm, and 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 maybe not somebody you know that has maybe gone through things, you know, but can can only take it so far you know it's it's okay to talk i'm not saying to nobody for nobody to talk but you know if you you need that consistency i think when it's working with people's mental health you know that's that's such a huge thing you touched on there because i think even myself i've noticed i have that hero complex as well or i have had it in the past where i'm like i just want to help everyone and you know Mm. i set up a non-profit with my mate to like help people on the streets and even with that, kind of the same as what you had in Daryl, maybe, again, not to the same extent you had, definitely, but, like, no. I had a couple of people ring me in the middle of the night, like, who were on the streets, like, mm. like, you know, and I didn't know what to do, like, they were maybe suicidal or whatever, and I was, like, I realised in that moment, I was, like, I am not qualified for this, and I, I was just kind of trusting my intuition on what to say, but I was also, like, yeah, I, I can't take on all these people's problems myself, first of all, it's, they're not my problems to take on and secondly I, I don't really know how to handle it yeah. and it was getting like you said it was getting me down as well yeah. I just couldn't hold that yeah. weight the pressure on my shoulders yeah. I remember when I stopped doing it when we like I walked away from Pizza Sunday Globe I just felt this lift yeah like I felt lighter than I hadn't felt in two years I couldn't I didn't believe I couldn't believe how much it actually weighed me down but I think yeah it was that was partly me wanting to save everyone else was because I didn't want to look at myself I didn't want to save myself yeah. Was, that was the hardest person wow. to look at. Wow. And I think you see a lot of that nowadays. I still think it was coming from a good place. My yeah. heart was in it. I, I still think it was a good thing to do, yeah. right thing to do. But it was coming from a place of, I didn't want to deal with my own pain. So I was like, if I can help other people, that will distract me from that. And I'll feel better. And I think you see that a lot in the world today. It's like everyone's kind of has their cause, which is like, I'd be a big, I'd be passionate for having a cause, but mm. also look at yourself and make sure you always remember that you have to do your own work. Mm. You know, like our cause is like education and like, you know, inspiring young people to mm-hmm. become their true selves. But I think, yes, yeah, sometimes you can move into like thinking you're, you figure it out and you're like telling people what they should do. Mm. Or like you're saying, this is wrong and the government should stop doing this. And you're kind of pointing the finger a lot mm. at what other people are doing wrong. And I did that with mm. the homelessness situation. And now I'm like, you just stop pointing the finger at everyone else and look at yourself because you're avoiding yourself. You're just blaming everyone, blaming society, blaming mm-hmm. the government. It's like, what are you doing with your own shit to yeah. make yourself better? And then you can go out and make changes in the world. But don't be, you know, pointing the finger or, or whatever. Like, look inwards. And I think come back to what you said about not looking for the guru, looking at yourself because yeah. the books don't have the answers. Like, they, they can guide. Yeah. And I've read a lot of books and they've helped yeah. give me different models for thinking, but 
Yeah, the true answers are when someone points back to you and says, well, what do you think? You know, how do you feel about yourself? Mm. Like what you were saying, like just looking inwards and asking those tough questions of yourself. Yeah. Sit with yourself. Like that says a lot as well. And I think, like that's why I think the work you're doing is amazing. And I'm actually, myself, even thinking of going to a psychotherapist soon just to, so you have one more. here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's do a session right now yeah, just yeah. to discover more about myself yeah yeah. Because, yeah I just think it's it's easy to look into the world for the answers and yeah. blame instead of looking at ourselves um, so yeah but that's honestly man I, like uh, I'm not going to lay that any kind of goosebumps and stuff like that that's yeah. very powerful what you're saying really powerful and for for you, for you to be so you know um, so honest and open and vulnerable in that little monologue you had there or whatever like that is just fantastic and that's what we need more of is people just being honest people not being afraid of saying hey hang on I started something and I, I kind of got burdened by it and I was overwhelmed by it or whatever like that is known Carl Rogers has a quote whatever and it says the curious paradox is um, when we accept ourselves for who we are then we can change mm-hmm. So it's only when we accept ourselves for who we are and we, we know who we are, then we can actually change. But that's the whole thing of avoidance is like instead of actually looking at ourselves to know who we are, mm-hmm. we just try to help other people for the validation for whatever kind of comes with it. Mm-hmm. But sitting with ourselves like that's where the work is done. Mm-hmm. Understanding ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's there's a contrast to that or whatever. Like Alan Watts would say, like, I'm going to butcher this, whatever. But it's a paraphrase of Alan Watts who's like, um that um, we can get so consumed by trying to improve ourselves that we forget mm. to live all together. Yes. And that's the, so the balance. There is a the, balance yeah. in it. So I don't want to be pushing, an, like, you know, we got to work on our mental health. we got to sit with ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we can, we can fall into the trap of trying to improve ourselves so much mm-hmm. that we yeah. forget to actually live. Mm. Exactly. You know, then so it becomes an ego thing. It's like, it, I'm trying to improve myself to be better than everyone else. Or like, for me, it's like, what's the aim of improving myself? Mm. It's so I can enjoy myself more mm. and be a better person. Mm-hmm. And if it ever goes into any of something else other than those two things, if I'm mm. not become enjoying my life more mm-hmm. or being a better person for other people, mm. then why am I doing this work on mm. myself? Because then it maybe it's like self-flagellation or whatever you want to call yeah. it. So I think there's definitely, I think with everything, there's a balance and you can go too far. Like you sometimes see people doing you know how many like, therapy sessions do you need or how many yeah. times do you need to go to the darkness to come back mm-hmm. and even I question myself sometimes am I doing you know when am I going to just actually live yeah you know yeah. do I have to keep going into this yeah. darkness so I think yeah definitely again it's a balance and maybe there is no real answer to that it's kind of individual but yeah like, it's, it is subjective sorry to every individual but it's just yeah. but I think you need to find balance we nearly need to go to an extensive yes part of it or whatever to, to okay I need to take this back a little that's how we find balance we don't just perfectly mm. land on balances we we keep working 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 and then we get to a place where like oh hang on I've gone too far here and then we kind of like I'll take it back a little yes. it's only then do we find balance mm. and I always say that to, to clients as well or whatever is like sometimes I don't like working for for like months and months and months and months of like constantly looking 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 and said you need to kind of maybe go away now and you know put some of these implement some of these things we've talked about into practice or whatever and actually live and then i'm always here the chair is always here but then come back then or whatever and we can reassess whatever but mm. you know it, it's not always productive if you're constantly looking in 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 mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's 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 a huge part of we can get lost. Even one of the greatest um, minds that has ever lived, um, um, Carl Jung, mm-hmm. went, it went crazy. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. had, had a nervous breakdown and all of that kind of stuff, whatever. You know, you talk about Jungian therapy, whatever like that. You talk about the persona, the shadow, mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff, whatever. You know what I mean? From looking too much in and like you're trying to find more answers and more answers and more answers instead of finding enough to put you in a like a like a maintainable state where you can live mm-hmm. and then again you know in a few months or a few years later you're like do you know what things have changed circumstances have changed i want to look a little bit again yes mm-hmm. you know and it's about dipping in and dipping out instead of like yeah. i need to constantly work i need to constantly keep showing up for these seminars i need to constantly keep showing up for these cbt workshops i need to constantly keep showing up for these things and mm-hmm. you know it's it's it can be overkill sometimes you know yeah the do you know what's coming into my mind when you're talking about that balance of for me it just comes up into the masculine and the feminine as people would say mm. the doing and the being mm. and I remember it was actually it's that Brett wave that uh, Ron O'Brien does mm. the someone described it to me before it's like a balance of the masculine and the feminine so the breath in you mm. have to you have to give it that if to do it like you know that's the masculine and then let it go the feminine mm. and it's a real contrast of doing and being mm. like within seconds mm. but then you can like spread that out to your life and like for me what you were saying there it's like Cormac said there is no is there, is there an end to all this looking inwards mm. I what I seem to have come to realise for myself is that I'll go in, I'll do the different challenges like going out into the forest or whatever it is and I'll find a, a bit of peace inside myself or, and then I can come back into the world and I can serve or do what I need to do mm-hmm. and um, keep up my practices and then when it's time again I can go back in and like it's it's just like a revolving wheel of healing and being with people and, um, and like just a revolving wheel of that. Yeah. There's actually, what's Jimmy Wheel's thing on that? Yeah, it's like, ecstasis, communitas, and catharsis. catharsis. The three things you need, like the yeah. healing, catharsis, mm-hmm. the communitas. communitas, the community aspect of mm-hmm. like being with others so they mm-hmm. help you through your healing and enjoying things. And then the ecstasis is kind of those peak ex- mm-hmm. experiences that yeah. give you that inspiration to like, you know, that light. Um, so you can, with that kind of inspiration, you can go into the dark places because you know you're going to come back out and everything's going to be good. So, yeah. Yeah, because even myself as well, sometimes I'm like, I feel like this urge for the darkness now, like mm. to, to go in. And now I'm kind of like, maybe that's just part of it. It's like when you start the journey of looking in, you kind of need to keep tapping in every now and again just to kind of remember certain lessons or and really when you're in the darkness that's where you're sitting with the thoughts like everything is there mm-hmm. and that's where all the the wisdom is really when you're in that darkness and you remember and you appreciate the light because it's not there it's like I just want to go back to living now yeah. then yeah. when you go back to living you have a bit more skip in your step you appreciate things more yeah. um, so it's kind of like why do I feel this urge to always go back to the darkness to the suffering to the but sometimes it's like you learn a lot in there. There's the lessons out there. There's lessons in there. And then you can come back to life being a bit more like joyful, helping people more. Of course. Spreading love and joy. Gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah, and like yeah. Carl Jung said, a tree is never said to grow to heaven without its roots reaching down to hell. Ooh, yes. So mm, we need to understand mm. 
where we were rooted from and where all our stuff is coming from for us to grow taller than we've ever been before. And a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people don't like looking into the darkness and stuff like that, you know. And a lot of people don't like sitting in the discomfort of, you know, who I used to be, what I used to say, how I used to act, you know, lives I might have destroyed, you know, mm-hmm. things I might have said to people and all of this kind of stuff. And it's very easy for us to kind of to create a persona to avoid this, mm-hmm. you know. And it, the work isn't for everybody. And I'm saying if you are going to go into that sometimes, you know, the dark work or the shadow work or any of that kind of stuff or whatever, you know, I would highly recommend doing it with a therapist yeah. and not, you know, like, because when you're going in there, as you said, sometimes it, it can consume you. Sometimes you need to be held. Yes, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. You're going into places in your own self or whatever like that, mm-hmm. or that that are going to probably unearth, you know, trauma. Mm-hmm. could unearth, you know, part of yourself that you weren't willing to look at for a very long time. Something you've been avoiding, something you've been running mm-hmm. from, and all of a sudden you're turning around and facing it. Mm-hmm. you know that can be that can be yeah. scary at times whatever but mm-hmm. you know to truly heal and to truly kind of understand yourself sometimes we need to go in there mm-hmm. you know and um, you know again it's subjective to every individual not everyone needs to go there not everyone has these dark places and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff whatever you know but um you know it, i would if someone was was willing to go there it, it is always beneficial to to be in there with somebody yeah I you know agree with that one because I even myself, I was saying recently to my girlfriend, I was like, like I, I feel okay now at the moment, but something like I just dip into these dark places and I just don't know what's going on. I was like, I need some guide. Yeah. Because it's, guide. it's like you have no reference for this. Like you didn't learn this in school. No one's like, oh, you're going to go into the darkness and like figure stuff out about yourself you never knew was there. Mm. And like you just, yeah. So like I think I have this thing where I have to do it by myself and that's, why it probably took so long to decide to actually maybe just get some help yeah you know like yeah. why can't like why would you have to go through all that by yourself because sometimes it's just hard to understand what's going on you know there's a huge stigma though people think that by going to see a psychotherapist that yeah, there has to yeah. be something really wrong with you yeah. like, of course you know so that's why mm. that's probably why you haven't taught yeah. until now to do it because yeah. you're like well i'm grand yeah i'm grand there's nothing going wrong in my life to everyone else's eyes I don't yeah, need yeah. to go to a psychotherapist, mm-hmm. whereas absolutely everybody needs to go to a psychotherapist. If you ask me, but I, but, but, but <laughs> even look at look at look at his stature, tall, good looking, mm-hmm. in shape, Jeez. probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> what about me? <laughs> good looking family. <laughs> but, but if, if but if you look at that or whatever like that, is sometimes mm-hmm. we could have that persona of I need to be strong. I need to kind of like others look up to me. Whatever if they find I'm going to a psychotherapist. What they will think of me and all that kind of mm. stuff, and sometimes that can hold us back or whatever. I'm not saying it is holding you back, yeah, yeah. but I'm saying it, you know a person like you who's like probably great in the community, great with kids, kind of has this aura about you. Mm-hmm. You know the two you do whatever you know. So it's sometimes mm-hmm. that can hold us back of what we actually think opinions and judgments of others might be. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to tell anybody I'm going to a psychotherapist because I want everyone to think that I have my mm-hmm. shit together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm successful. Mm-hmm. I'm strong. But underneath it all. You know, sometimes we're wounded children in adults' bodies and the wounded child is pulling levers. You know, and we need to reconnect with that wounded child, you know, that was bullied when they were younger, who was told they were skinny or has body dysmorphia or any of that kind of stuff, whatever, you know. And it's it's about kind of like, you know, allowing yourself to lean into the discomfort of asking for support. Uh, you know you don't need to tell everybody you're in getting support or whatever like that is but look one in four people in this country suffer from mental health issues 
You know, that kind of way. So if we conceptualise what is mental health, so according to the World Health Organisation, mental health is having the ability to do daily tasks, you know, uh, being able to work fruitfully uh, every day and being able to handle stressful situations daily and being able to give back to community if possible. So, you know, so that's the World Health Organisation. So if you conceptualise mental health, so people, and for often for people or whatever like that is they can't, understand am i suffering mentally do i have mental health issues you know but if i said to you oh i've got a cold and you'll and i'll ask you what are the symptoms of a cold you could probably rattle them off we're conditioned to -hmm. talk about other like a broken arm what do you do yeah physical things and all that kind of stuff but when it comes to our mental health Mm -hmm. you know i think there's a block there at times or whatever you know um where people don't understand how to check in with themselves and hang on like it's been six months since i've like had a good sleeping pattern haven't been eaten properly i'm trying to isolate myself um you know um I, i'm not performing uh, you know in work at a, a like a productive level or whatever like that is all these things and they avoid it and you know then you've got alcohol and you've got drugs and you've got the caffeine you've got all these things that people are consuming you know because they just want to avoid how they're actually feeling and what's going on in their life you know instead of like mm. hang on we should all you know i put up a post there not so long ago about you know, the RSA are reminding us, Road Safety Association are reminding us every single day to slow down and how to drive more carefully. But why aren't we reminded daily to slow down in life? Mm-hmm. And what are the symptoms? How, why, uh, like, how do we check in with ourselves to see if we are driving safely or functioning in life mm-hmm. properly? You know, that's where I'd like it to get to. You know, uh, like last year alone, there was 200 people more that took their own life in this country that died on our roads. You know what I mean? Like in 2020, 486 people, you know, died by suicide in Ireland or whatever. You know, they like thinking, OK, like, you know, that's over one person a day, you know. And now we know statistically one in four people suffer from mental health issues. But that doesn't correspond to or correlate to kind of maybe how, you know, we're, we're talking about it in, in media or we're talking about it, you know, on TV, radio, any of that kind of stuff, whatever, you know, as much as maybe, you know, uh, road safety or any of that kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. the rsa have have come out and proved that since they were so proactive on advertisements and on you know radio advertisements and tv and all that kind of stuff that's reduced significantly the amount of road accidents I'm like well look the wheels already invented you know let's just copy what the rsa have been doing with people's mental health mm-hmm. and like let's just see let's stop, let's stop all sitting around going mm-hmm. i wonder what could help people's mental health in this country what can we do well like fucking just copy what's being done mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so let's just advertise a bit more let's remind people to check in with themselves every day let's remind people to go to psychotherapy let's remind mm-hmm. people you know that's yeah like what you're saying there that's what um that's why when we're in the schools, mm. we talk a lot about checking in with yourself every day, taking yeah. that time to yourself, whether it's five or ten minutes, mm. because there's no talk of that. There wasn't when you were in school. No. It's all like that rat race. Yeah. Mm. You know, you're talking about the road traffic. Like, why are people speeding everywhere? Because they're getting to these jobs mm. where they have to, whatever it is. Everything is a rush. Mm-hmm. And when we're in the schools, that's what we're really trying because. If that was, which we hope to do sometimes, is create a curriculum for this mm-hmm. in schools, mm. it's looked at as, like you mentioned the word meditation, you might get a few laughs or sitting with yourself, people are like, oh, that's, it, because it's so foreign to us. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to introduce to make it, to normalize it. Yeah. But if it was 
more um, promoted. Yeah. Like the way they promote mm. all the other stuff on TV. Yeah. If it was more promoted, it would become more normal. And also with TV, like obviously, do you know what, like being homosexual or anything, mm-hmm. years ago was, you'd never see it on TV, mm-hmm. but they've introduced it into TV mm-hmm. to normalise it for mm-hmm. people growing up, mm-hmm. which it has done. It should be the same mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Oh, I you know, wholeheartedly so. agree, mm-hmm. 100%. And the work you're doing is absolutely fantastic. And it just shows that, like, giving back the community, all this kind of stuff, whatever, it's, it's unbelievable. But, but let's look at let's look at the, the facts, whatever. 80% of people that take their own life in this country are men. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so, okay. So there's a discrepancy then between male and female and whatever. Okay, well, why aren't we asking questions on why? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we kind of trying to solve this kind of, like, you know, mm. problem. It was like, you know, not even with the suicides. Yes, let's solve that problem. But then men, what is it about men that why are more men, you know, taking their own lives? Like 80, mm. 80% is... It's is, very skewed isn't for some it? reason. Mm. Massive. Mm. You know, so there, there, there's definitely something there. You know, and for you go to, to, going around to schools and to normalize this, I think it would allow men, mm. you know, to maybe open up a little bit more to understand their mental health a little bit more to normalize it paraphrasing what you said and echo what you said or whatever but i think that's the goal is mm. to normalize these things like you guys going to school or create that about, space for them 100 to open up and chat to each other in like that's mm. what we're trying to do 100 percent. i think like there has been an increase in people talking about it yes but obviously it can always be more with ads and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i think what i think the problem is is like we're not Telling people, sharing the tools that you need to use mm-hmm. to overcome the daily things. Yeah. Like all we, all I hear is like, talk, talk to someone, or which is a great advice. Yeah. But that's like when you're like really struggling, talk to someone every day. You wake up, you can't be like, I have to call someone every day. Mm. It's like we need other tools. Like, what about you know what we do? Journaling, meditating, going. And the other thing is like creating the spaces mm-hmm. to talk naturally mm-hmm. once a month, once a week, like at a men's circle where you yeah. sit in the circle and actually say how you feel. Because yeah. we never, as men, like barely ever do that. You might mm-hmm. do it in the pub when you're locked. Yeah. And then the fellow you said it to doesn't remember the next day, you feel like embarrassed because you, you know, spilled your heart out to him. Mm. because you're craving to get that shit out though. We crave That's that connection, is. yeah. So there's no, so it's like, Yes, like say yes, talk to other people, but there's other loads of other tools you can use to express yourself. You know, mm. like shouting, roaring, yeah. breathing, breathing, like, d- like doing a good workout. For me, I get a lot of anger. Mm. Like if I'm feeling angry in the morning for some reason, it's just like, well, I'm gonna release this in a good way, and you know, feel like a man and like let release that anger healthily. But it's like just sharing these the tools that you can use and creating the spaces. For men to do it in an environment that's more open to that kind of sharing, because it's it's the culture we have. Like you're not going to say it in the football pitch. You're not going to say it mm. in the pub probably because you don't want to bring down the mood mm. unless you're like really really struggling. So it's kind of yes, we need to talk about it to others, but it's like empower men with the tools to talk about it themselves and have the courage just to say it. Like we're talking about it now openly yeah. because it's, yeah. It's and this helps. And you look at that like generational trauma, you know what I mean? You look at all mm. the stuff that's been handed down, yep. you know, from grandfather to father to, you know, when you're growing up and stuff like that. I, I, I remember whatever kind of being at a funeral before and kind of like, you know, dad kind of giving you a nudge and saying, you know, you know, boys don't cry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of way and you're like, okay, but like, I, I want to make my dad proud. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll swallow all of the, these emotions and feelings and I'll repress them and I'll push them down and whatever, you know, for years and years and years because boys don't cry. But you know what I mean? And but mm-hmm. I, I believe parents, I'm not saying nothing about my dad or whatever, I believe with the information he got, you know, at the time, whatever, what he grew up with was kind of, we need to be tough, we need to be strong. Like if we get that an archetype of a man, okay? So if mm-hmm. we get like a silhouette of a man, I put, I put that on, onto the door and I turn around and I say to you, um, you know, what what like what roles do you believe a man in society should play mm. and i guarantee you in the first in the top five you're going to have these three anyway which is provider protector and to be strong mm. so there's a lot of men in society now that believe that they need to provide mm-hmm. they need to protect and they need to be strong so they're not exactly the tree kind of like you know if you want to open up mm-hmm. or if you want to talk or if you want to get stuff off your chest or whatever you know mm-hmm. but you have to provide you have to protect and you have to be strong you know, so I, I think a lot of men are putting pressure on themselves, you know, in different aspects, working, like having to provide, mm-hmm. you know, and having to protect them, the family and, you know, bills and any of that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of men out there that are probably burdened with a lot mm-hmm. of pressure of life, having to get up every day and go to a job. And, you know, if I lose my job, what happens to my family and the mortgage and children? And I'm, I'm the protector, I'm the provider here. Mm-hmm. And then I have to be strong. So, you know, sometimes people can break down around you and cry and share all these feelings and whatnot. But then we have this kind of like feeling that men know we need to be strong for all of our family. I need to be strong for my partner. I need to be strong for my kids. I need to be strong for my, my extended family, my siblings. And we fall into this kind of role in society. Mm. And it doesn't invite us no. to be emotional, to let go, to cry, to hug, to kiss, to do any of these things. You know, it, it, it keeps us trapped in this kind of like society's, you know, um, conditioning of what a man should be. And sometimes I say, well, fuck that. <laughs> you know, men don't have to be anything. Women don't have to be anything. We don't have to have these roles. We can be who we are. And, you know, so I think, you know, taking off the shackles of society's conditioning of men have to be the provider, the protector and to be strong. And until we kind of get rid of all of that conditioning that's been handed down through generations. Mm-hmm. Because years ago, maybe men had to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, the nature, nurture, you know, the woman was probably at home, you know, taking care of the family and kind of all of that kind of stuff. The man was out earning the money and all of that. That's what it was like when I was growing up in my neighborhood and my family, whatever like that is, you know, four to six to eight children in, in, in households years ago where, you know, my mother was there to take care of everyone. The dad was out trying to provide and trying to, to earn money to put food on the table. You think about that and still in today's society where the man and woman probably have to work. Mm-hmm. There's childminders more involved now and all this kind of stuff, whatever. But, you know, it's, it's, it's this maybe toxic mindset mm-hmm. that we're, we, we still possess, mm-hmm. you know, from our, from our childhoods that are allowing us to maybe express how we really feel. We don't have to be strong as men. Mm-hmm. you know and, and talking to someone and crying isn't weak mm-hmm. you know if we, if, we, if we look at it in a way of here's a man talking to another man and he's not afraid to express his emotion that's a strength isn't it though a, yeah. isn't it's it you real, think about courage courage yeah. isn't it that's what that if anything, yeah, if anything go, being weak is not wanting to face that so how's that go, how's yeah. that got fucked up over the years yeah. like how, how how do we talk to people or whatever like that and say oh no well me sharing my emotions is weak like surely sharing your emotions is the, the highest form of strength. It's the hardest thing. Isn't it? Like. Yeah. And then to not, to not care about judgment. That's mm-hmm. strength. Mm-hmm. 
but, but for some reason I think we have it twisted or whatever you know um, it is changing it is it's, but, it's spaces need to which is what we do with the great. men's circle you getting into psychotherapy mm-hmm. that's creating a space mm-hmm. for people to do this yeah because you're not going to just do it anywhere mm-hmm. you know so it's creating those spaces which like you said they are being done now yeah and I think the, like I'd be curious as what do you, you think about this but like from what I've experienced at the men's circles and at that retreat we were at was just that one happened to be all men there's I think there's like a certain need craving for me as a man to be held by other men in terms of emotionally held because mm-hmm. for whatever reason maybe that's I don't know maybe it's something I have to figure out myself like but I wouldn't feel as comfortable just dropping the whole guard if mm-hmm. maybe there was women there because part of my ego is maybe thinking I don't know what would they think yeah. but when it's men there seems to be an ability to hold the other man and I think there's real power in that just to be vulnerable in front of other men like, and as you said before we even started this at that retreat you felt like connected to every yeah. soul in that place and so did I and it was like we were all there for each other and it was really powerful and at one stage we all started roaring mm, and like, yeah. you could feel just the raw power coming out of us mm. all that was in there and that's another thing I think that it's just men have this we all have women have power within them men have power but we are not really allowed to show that in society yeah. because where do you show it maybe it might come out in the, the football pitch if you play football like maybe in an aggressive tackle or something but like when do you actually get to tap into that real power of what it means to be a man mm. to you like there's the emotional side as well but like even tapping into that courage and that strength and like letting it out just like letting out roar when i was like when did this last time i actually roar yeah and i was like no even in my head when we were you all start roaring i was like i don't need to roar it's like i, I know i can roar i was like Cormac, when did the last time you actually just roared yeah. i, I remember it. when you let it out yeah. it actually do you know what i don't know if i told you this but when you let that roar out mm that sent shivers up my spine I started crying and started getting flashbacks of Cormac as like a three-year-old toddler but it is a childish thing like it's a, mm. it's an infantile I'll, thing I'll to like, do is just sh- shouting but being mm. free playing yeah, yeah, yeah. even at friends shouting at friends ah like you're chasing yeah, yeah. playing games ah screaming shouting roaring but we we forgot how to play we forgot mm. how to shout we forgot how to kind of that's all bottled in yeah, yeah repressed feelings mm. and whatever you don't heal from will come back yeah, you know yeah. all this repressed feelings and whatnot will, will mm. come back whatever I think that's what we forgot to do over the years but I think there's a lot of men out there we develop all of these skills this look connecting with another man is a language okay mm. we de- we develop it as children so whether you had a good relationship with your dad or not is influential on how you act around men when you get older so if your dad didn't hug you kiss you was all about you show that affection that you needed if he didn't meet your emotional needs when you were younger you can grow up and be a little bit kind of apprehensive around another man not understand hugging any of that kind mm. of stuff whatever that's why some men are really good emotionally or whatever but they've probably learned the language over the years maybe by themselves or maybe they got taught by their dad but a lot of people back in the 80s and 90s where I grew up or whatever like that is still to this day my dad hasn't hugged me and kissed me and told me he loved me do you know that kind of way and I don't hold that against him as I just don't think he's got the language because maybe his dad didn't or whatever you know mm. so here I am I uh, like that connecting with men scared me for the majority of my life 
I pushed men away. I've had very few friends throughout my life, male friends. I always connected with females um, on, a, on a different level, emotional level, where I, I just knew that I couldn't connect with men with or whatever. And for me then it was just, I didn't have the language because I could connect with my man and I understood what it was like with that feminine energy you're talking about. I understand that connection, the love, the nurturing side of things, whatever. And, you know, the, they will be here for me, the comfort in that. But for men, I didn't. Like even hugging men or any of that kind of stuff did not come naturally to me. I had to learn it like it was a language, like I was trying to speak a foreign language because I didn't develop it as a child in my relationship or my family dynamic. You know, so I think a lot of people out there were starved of this emotional connection with male figures when they were younger because we were told to be tough. You know, your your son is supposed to be a footballer, a rugby player, and, you know, all of these things, and parents living vicariously through their children, but not meeting their actual emotional needs. Maybe your son doesn't want to play football. Maybe he doesn't want to be a rugby player. Maybe he doesn't want to do these things. Maybe he just wants a fucking hug. Maybe he just wants to feel accepted. He wants to feel loved. He wants to feel he's making daddy proud, but he doesn't have to do anything to make daddy proud. Daddy's just proud of him. Do you know that kind of way? Oh yeah, I love, love that resonates. And I think though when you get older and you don't, you starve yourself from it and society starves that from you or a family dynamic starves that, starves that from you, it can become, you know, something that's harder to get over. You know, even here today, I walk here today and I hug ye straight away. And that hug and that embrace, you know, it's like, it's, it's none of this handshake. It's like, mm. I can embrace you because I feel safe around you. But that took me a very long time mm. to build to that safety, to understand that I can trust men and I can get my emotional needs met by men, mm. you know? And I think there's a lot of maybe other people out there that might feel like me and think like me or whatever. But, you know, just in case anybody is listening, that is a male that might resonate or relate to what I'm talking about or whatever hopefully this might help mm -hmm. but we rarely talk about these things you know mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Just, I know you started crying there when you started talking about that you just want your father to be proud of you yes because that was yeah that's for me that was something that I think I was always trying to achieve for I think I even came out once when I, I think I said it to him a few weeks ago even when it was after a few pints just said, why can't you just accept me for who I am? And I didn't mean to, I don't, like, I love my dad, I didn't mean to make him feel bad, but I just felt, yeah, I just wanted to be accepted for being the way I am. And I felt that I had to achieve these things in football, like yeah. I played football for years. Yeah. I still, I'm still playing, I played it this year, but like, if you had to ask me, like, do you really love football? I'd say, not really. I just feel an obligation to play and like I know my father wants me to play and I'd love to win the championship for him but it's like obviously for myself a little bit but mainly for him and like maybe some other men in the parish yeah. but it's not for me and then but I think that's such a driver and when you realise that it's like a lot of what you're doing might be just trying to make your dad proud it's like you can let that go like yes if you want yes um, but yeah so I'm going to stop talking before I start crying it's okay <laughs> I can see yeah, but look yeah, I appreciate yeah. it you know what I mean and, yeah. and listeners and all of that kind of stuff I know at the other end of whoever's listening to this whatever's going to appreciate that vulnerability mm -hmm. and I can see you're clearly kind of emotional and upset and all that kind of stuff which is 
you know you're being vulnerable so look i'm honored you know uh, and it's nice to have this space to mm. to, to have this and to mm. be okay of talking about this kind of stuff whatever but just kind of going back to kind of what we were talking about is sometimes we need to be able to let go of why are we doing this why are we like our core belief system did we did we um create it ourselves did we inherit it you know you know there's a lot of men out there trapped you know with a core belief system that they didn't even build or create themselves you know like they, they inherited it from the community from their environment from their caregivers whoever it may be and there's a lot of people just living a life that they're not fulfilled and they're not happy in because they're not living authentically because they're living for other people they're playing football for other people they're they're singing for other people they're playing rugby for other people they're academically trying to go to college for their parents to make them proud they get a safe job as an accountant or a, a, a doctor or whatever it is because that's what has been in the family that's what's come before and that's what we expect of you and I think that's where we're going wrong with parenting with all of that kind of stuff whatever and with men especially that's those expectations are gonna weigh down eventually like what you were saying yeah that when you attach your identity to yeah that's like a dangerous thing because if you lose that job who are you yeah what's your worth yeah what's your worth perfectly Mm. put Mm. what is your worth who am i Mm. who am i it all comes down to that though is figuring out who you are Mm. what brings you joy in life what you love to do and Mm. Mm. And trying to follow that path and create a life for yourself based on that. Otherwise, there's always that gap. There's always going to be something missing, you know, well, from what I found anyway. And really tapping into who I am. And like I said before, since I've been doing that, I'm experiencing feelings I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Happinesses. But you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, on the very top of self-actualization. You know, and you've got the foundation, you've got all these kind of like, you know, pillars mm. all the way up or whatever like that. And it's like the very top of the pyramid is to know who you are, yeah. to be comfortable in who you are. That is the pinnacle. That's the top, you know, and you have all these people maybe throughout life, male, female, it doesn't make a difference having these existential crises, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever it may be of like, hang on, whose life was I living? Mm. So people just, they haven't like the midlife crisis, but yeah. it's like people think everyone's going to hit it. It's like, why is everyone hitting that? Mm. Instead of, mm. people just think it's a phase. It's like, mm. yeah, have it now when you're young. Yeah. Wait, who, yeah, whose yeah. life am I living? Whose life am I living? We've got some of the worst, sorry, we've got some of the worst suicide rates, right? In people in the ages from 50 to 65, okay? And that, like, if you look at like, a, we'll say a midlife crisis or any of that kind of stuff, like in around then, say you've had kids when you were younger, the kids have grown up, maybe the, the, the they're after, you know, uh, the analogy of flying the nest or whatever it is. Mm. Then you're left sitting there, well, I've been a father, I've been a provider, I've been a protector, now that's all gone. Like, who am I? Who am I now? Like that the kids are gone. They don't need me to protect anymore. They don't need me to provide anymore. They don't need me to be strong anymore. And I don't, I think a lot of people, when they get families or they get relationships, they forget who they are. They stop working on themselves. They get into this kind of like rat race, as you were saying earlier on or whatever, where, you know, job, you know, pub at the weekend, kids, this, that, and the other, and kind of get into this kind of like system and then forget about themselves. So then all of a sudden you got people in their 50s and 60s or whatever that, having this existential crisis and a lot of people are taking their own lives 
you know in Europe I think in there's like 40 odd countries in Europe in around 40 odd countries in Europe or whatever I think I think hopefully I didn't butcher that someone will correct me if I if I did um but we've we're we're, we're tied on third of the worst mental illness rates in Europe third joint third um you know of mental illness whatever like that so there's a lot of you know mental health and mental illness in our country and a lot of people taking their own lives or whatever like that but probably not enough people having conversations like this and maybe getting to the bottom of why you know who are we any of these kind of questions and you know what answering these questions it's not easy you know you ask someone who are you how often will someone be able to answer that like straight away that's what I was going to say to you is what would you say to anyone who was maybe is struggling not struggling um, and is looking to figure out something about like figure out who they are mm. that's a very good question um, <laughs> go to therapy <laughs> no, but, yeah I, I look I think there, there's many ways or whatever like that is so, sometimes <clears throat> so if, if I often ask somebody like who they are or I try to kind of get to the nuts and bolts of what makes them tick or whatever uh, <clears throat> sometimes I would get somebody to kind of um to get an A4 piece of paper and to draw a line down the middle, you know, from top to bottom and then halfway, uh, one horizontally across. So you've got a quadrant, you've got four boxes. And what I'd write at the top left is strengths, then adjacent skills, and then bottom left qualities and then values. And I'd sit there for as long as uh, as long as I can or whatever like that. And I'm trying to fill out what are my strengths, what are my skills, what are my qualities and what, what are my values. And I think once you start kind of figuring it out, number one, if you can't fill it out, well, that, that's a problem. You know, and number two, then, if you do start filling it out, whatever like that is, I don't think a lot of people give themselves that amount of time to figure out, hang on, who am I? But between them four things, my strengths, my skills, my skills, my qualities and my values, it's a good kind of like basis of like figuring who you are, you know, my values, my qualities, you know. So I think maybe starting with something like that, that's an exercise I would get people to do. You'd be shocked, absolutely shocked. You know, if somebody writes down maybe say 20 to 30 things or even 15 things, we're like Jesus. I forget about all of these because I'm so critical of myself. Yeah. The 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 inner dialogue and narrative in my mind is I'm a piece of shit. I'm unlovable. I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. I'm silly. I'm skinny. I'm all of these things or whatever like that. I am what society tells me I am. Instead of hang on here, what about these twenty things that are you? You know, should you not be focusing on these a little bit more every time you're being critical of yourself to say, hang on, some of my qualities and values are unreal. Like, I've got cool strengths and skills. Hang on here. Why am I a piece of shit to myself? Why am I calling myself all of these names? And I think it's just trying to kind of like change that narrative and give people a different perspective of who they are and trying to get down to kind of like all of the good things you possess and like start changing that narrative of maybe all the negative things you might think about yourself, you know? And I think it's it's getting to that more often and getting people to to figuring themselves out but you get it by reading books you get it by like it'll give you little thoughts and stuff like that therapy all of these kind of things whatever you know but it is one of those questions that are hard to answer because we probably don't do it in school we don't do it in college we don't do it in relationships so we don't actually sit down and maybe journal or write about who who we are and then there's a belief sheet as well sometimes i get people i get people to write like i believe i believe i believe i believe i believe about 10 or 15 times down on a page and finish it off i believe this i believe y i believe x i believe z and then look back at the sheet when you've filled it out and go are they really your beliefs 
or are they your parents? Mm. Are they your caregivers? Are they societies? Are they your environments? Are they the, you know, the, the communities? Is it my belief that I, if I win a championship, I like myself? Is it a belief or whatever? Now, hang on. So it's a good way of looking back and saying, well, I have all these beliefs, but half of them aren't mine. Maybe three quarters of them aren't mine. So what are your beliefs then? What do you believe in? What are you doing for you? Who, what? Like, if you're living by, if the majority of your beliefs aren't even yours, well, how the fuck are you going to be you? You're living by other people's beliefs. That's a very good one. So the thing about it is, is figuring out, like, well, what do I believe in? Because if I believe in 15 things that aren't even mine, how can I figure out who I am? Mm. Be- because I'm not me. I- I'm a mix of other people's beliefs. Yeah. And it's nobody's fault. It's no. Like we all get conditioned in certain ways. Yeah. And I do believe that everyone is doing the best with what their conditioning is. Agreed. You know, um, but once you become aware mm-hmm. of the beliefs, okay. once you get some sort of awareness around it, mm-hmm. that's when you get a bit of control. Mm. That's when you can maybe start changing things if that's what you want to do. Agreed. You know, it's just taking that first step. You need to get... I do believe that something usually... It doesn't always have to be something big and dramatic, but something mm. usually happens for someone to give them that little kick mm-hmm. To maybe start looking <clears throat> inwards and wanting to get to know themselves. Mm. It's like I don't want to live like this anymore. Or it's usually something yeah. negative that you don't want anymore. Mm. I think that makes you want to change. And we can change our, our inner core belief system mm. at any age mm. once we recognise what it is first. <clears throat> becoming aware of it. Becoming aware of it. Mm. Yeah, you know, mm. and it's once we become aware of our inner core belief system and yeah. where we've inherited it from or learned it from or whatever. You know, then we can change it. Mm. You know, this could go to racism. It could go with sexism. It can go with like go into anything. Like all the isms. Uh, yeah, all the isms. Yeah, <laughs> and just say like I believe like you know say growing up I believe I hate English people. You know because yeah. that was in a culture yeah. or whatever that. And I was like, if I write that down, I'm like, but do I really? Mm. Like where? Hang on. Like I'm not, like I don't mm. believe. You know that's not my belief. Reality why like why yeah. do I think Maggie Thatcher's an absolute? You know whatever. Yeah. Like hang on. You know, that's not my belief system. That was like, oh, sitting in a pub one day, drilled in, yeah, the English, and they come up and this, that, and But you know what I mean? This can go back to to kind of like how we think about everything and understanding, are my beliefs about, um, you know, society, people in society, foreigners coming to our country, taking our jobs, you know, stuff like this. Is that really your belief? I would challenge people on that. It's like an old record that's playing in your head. Yes. It's like, wait. Once you notice it, I yeah. think them techniques you shared, like writing down "I believe, I believe," and then the four quadrants, one, yeah. like are so, so simple but so powerful. I'd say, like I haven't done the four quadrants, mm. but I'm intrigued now to actually do that. Mm. Um, I might have done some of them separately, but never done it like that on a sheet and just see what do I actually think of myself and who am I? Yeah, um, yeah, and then just like they're so practical, you can't really hide from it. Then when it's there, when you wrote it down, mm-hmm. like, but this is the truth. Yeah, or this is how I. This is what I think I believe, and then now I can start changing it. Or if same with the qualities and strengths, it's like, but there's other ones I want to have, and I can start cultivating. Yeah. Them. So yeah, I think for me it's like that awareness, like whatever gets you to that first point of awareness. Mm-hmm. Then you, you can, can start be... changing, and yeah, accepting. I think I said earlier, if you accept the first, and then you can change it. Yes. You have to just accept. This is where I'm at. This is what I believe. And it's like what 
now who do I, who do I want to be and who what kind of person do I want to start becoming and that is the Carl Rogers quote the paradox it's only yes. when we accept ourselves for yes. who we are then we can change yeah. and it's only when we write it down we get it out of our heads and put it on a piece of paper it's not who yes. we think what others would say our strengths and qualities and values yes. uh, and value our uh, quality strengths skills and values are mm. it's what we believe ours Mm. you know and then if something isn't in a strength and a skill it's like okay well maybe I'll start as you said cultivating mm. and start working towards maybe making that a strength in the future because mm. I'm not really comfortable writing that in strengths and skills just yet mm. but but you know maybe I should maybe it's communication skills mm. Mm. maybe it's kind of whatever it may be I don't know yeah. emotional you know you mm. know conversational skills whatever it may be it's like well I'm not really comfortable writing it in there okay okay acknowledged I'm going to start working and cultivating, as you said, perfectly, whatever like that, mm. towards making that more of a skill, more of a strength. So in a year's time, I can write that in one of these, bo- one of these boxes. Mm. Maybe a value could be loving. Mm. Maybe it could be caring. Maybe it could be loving towards another man. It can be like, mm. I want to get more comfortable hugging men. I want to be more comfortable, you know, expressing my feelings to men. But I'm not comfortable putting it in the boxes just yet. Mm. So I was like, mm. okay, well, okay, r- roger that. Mm. and that's so, it that's where the growth comes from then it's then realising that that's where you want to go yeah and doing it yeah and you get there by taking that time to yourself yeah and mm. doing them exercises or whatever it is that you do do but if you're if you're unhappy the last five years right let's just say you're unhappy the last five years mm-hmm. and you don't change anything like the whole cliche thing nothing changes if nothing changes but if you know if you're not happy with the last five years and nothing changes the next five years of your life are predictable they're predictable because if you're not changing anything, they're going to look like the last five. Mm-hmm. So this whole awareness and this whole kind of working with therapists or psychotherapy or these podcasts or books or any of that kind of stuff. You know, you can listen to these and you can read books and listen to this podcast and get motivated by it, right? Or inspired by it, by your stories or whatever it may be. But it's taking action. Mm-hmm. So don't listen to something like this or read a book or whatever like that and go, geez, that was great. The boys talked about whatever. But if you really believe in it, Take action. Do mm-hmm. something for yourself or else, the, or else the next five years of life are going to be predictable. And who wants a predictable life? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's going to look like the last five. But maybe this is the time. Maybe this podcast is the, mm-hmm. as you said a while ago, I'll echo what you said is, the catalyst of something needs to change. Mm-hmm. So maybe a penny drop to listen to this. Mm-hmm. But it's only action's going to get you there. If you wake up tomorrow and the next day in six months' time and you don't you haven't taken action from anything you've heard mm. in this so far, whatever like that is, you're gonna live a predictable life. Nothing will change. Mm-hmm. So whether that's reaching out, whether that's whatever it may be, all the stuff you've been talking about, all the stuff you've shared, whatever, but now is the time, you know? And I think educating yourself, you know, is is where it's at. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like learning about these things and learning about how to become aware, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. And I think that's such a good point and I think it only has to be one action like yeah. one mm-hmm. little tiny step yeah that will be texting someone just when you have that piece of courage because it won't it might go by tomorrow when yeah. you feel it just act on it yeah trust it and move that one step and then you've already took the first dive and then that's every step after that's easier yeah but I think yeah that's such a good point because what someone actually said to me a while ago he was like you don't need to read any more books. I was like, what's it mean by that? Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, like you don't need to read the books. I read because I enjoy, mm-hmm. like learn, and I've always more to learn, obviously. But it's like, 
you know what you need to do like you know deep down like your intuition knows mm. you don't like the books are kind of sometimes a distraction it's like oh, I'm struggling I'll read a book it's like let's sit with that and you know deep down what you need to do um, so I just thought it was such a great thing to be told because sometimes you just think you have to you know have to know more mm. it's just like you already know what you have to do just mm. follow that path and the books are great but you don't need them mm. Mm. So I think sometimes you can get consumed so much by them mm-hmm. the answer will be in the next one Yeah. the answer yeah. will be in the next one self help is a 1.8 billion dollar industry or whatever like that mm-hmm. it's because people are con- consistently searching mm-hmm. but they're searching sometimes too far too long mm-hmm. instead of maybe taking action on some of the things they're reading about mm-hmm. a lot of books say the same thing like read one they talk of, yeah they talk in a different way maybe. exactly well you look at stoicism or whatever like that yeah. it's, you know what i mean you know people have been talking about these things for mm-hmm. thousands of years yes. you know marcus aurelius yeah. seneca plato any of this kind of stuff or whatever you know to be the informations have been out there for a very long time and people are just you know regurgitating it in different forms and selling it in different ways yeah mm-hmm. so it's just a matter of taking action mm-hmm. that's the difference between people that get somewhere and understand themselves mm-hmm. and the people who don't mm-hmm. so it's it's about taking action yeah well action just one action step commit to it yeah and do it yeah that's that little bit of courage and then yeah it would uh, just have a ripple effect kind of yeah. butterfly effect yeah 100 percent, yeah and it is just all about actions like Mm. the whole analogy of the mountaintop always looks scary from the bottom but when you start taking a few steps after a while you kind of look up and look back and go geez i'm after coming a long way and it doesn't actually look that bad anymore Mm. i'll just keep going and it's just a matter of that Mm. you wouldn't have got there if you stood at the bottom and kept looking at it going this is just and you guys could probably relate to that more than anyone in the country at the moment from all of the hikes you're doing and (laughs) you know everywhere i'm sure it was setting out on that kind of like four peaks and in a day 27 hours whatever it was whatever you were like there was probably times you're like what are we at Mm. like we're never going to get there but you just kept put one foot in front of another do you know what that's reminding me of something i actually thought of recently is when I went into treatment the last time, mm. when I actually went in because I wanted to, I went in for myself. Mm. That's what the difference was. But I remember thinking, what a mountain of shit I had built for myself, full of shit. It was a mountain of shame and guilt. Mm. And I was like, how long is it going to be before I actually feel good? Mm. Do you know, there's so much shit there. Mm. And where do I start? Mm. Somebody told me to just start talking. And I did. And the first chip that I took off this mountain, or the first step that I took, such a weight was lifted. Mm. And I think it was then I realized, because I was aware of it, Mm. and I had taken action, that the weight was lifted. I didn't need to get to the top for it to feel good. I just needed to start. And that was what Mm. I think might stop a lot of people. And what was stopping me, it was like I was overwhelmed by the amount. And the uncertainty and the not even knowing of what half of it was mm. and how to start it and it was just that first step mm. and so it's just such a key thing it's just to take that first step mm. that's beautifully put as well mm. yeah you don't need to reach the top to feel a certain way you mm. just need to take a step mm. you know you don't have to get to the top it's not just mm. being like in the process yeah like i don't think you ever get to the top no like yeah. what is the top no. yeah, yeah 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 you know do you just stop and you slip back you slip yeah, you slide yeah, yeah. down yeah you 
stick your little axe back in and you stack her. I don't want to use that analogy of an axe. That's the masculine coming yeah, right there. Yeah, but, yeah, but then, and then keep going up. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you just, know. As, but along the journey, you just start to enjoy it. Yeah, mm. and you learn from every little yeah. slip. Mm. And even yeah. I'm saying, like, I was having dark thoughts recently, but I didn't get consumed by them anymore. Mm. I'm just like, I know these come sometimes in waves, certain times, something's coming up for me. And I'm separate from that thought. I'm just to remember someone said to me a while ago, it just always sticks with me. Something I keep saying there is like, I am not my thoughts. I am the one watching. So when I'm going through some of my own shit, I've been through enough of it already that I know it's going to pass. And I know it's not me. It's just some of my shadow stuff that maybe I've avoided for a while. Mm. So I actually start feeling grateful for this. And mm. Ramdas says, love your dark thoughts. So I was like, I appreciate this coming mm. because this is just here to help me grow and become better. Because mm. when I come out through this, I'll be better. I'll have healed some part of myself. So now when the darkness comes, those dark thoughts, I'm like, oh, thanks. It's hard to say. It's something yeah. to convince myself to be like, just be grateful for it and feel it all and move through it and see what you learn from it. But it's like, it's just part of that journey up. And, and then when you come through it and the day is brighter again, you're like, oh, class like mm. so it gets to that point where you do start to enjoy it because mm. i remember asking martin duffy once when i was in with him i just said like does it ever stop like mm. it, like these were like you know this he you think you pass something and then it comes back or something new comes along i was just like when does it stop he's like it doesn't but you kind of start to enjoy it mm. i didn't understand them until now it's like you can even if you don't enjoy it at least accept it appreciate it appreciate what it's doing yeah for you to mm. have gratitude for the the learning in it well yeah. I think it was Rogers Carl Rogers said is like we're always becoming mm. so we're always evolving we're always becoming mm-hmm. we don't get there it's, yes. it's a lifelong journey whatever like you're saying mm-hmm. but on that thoughts thing whatever like that I think like on, on average you know we, we think of 12 to 50,000 thoughts a day mm-hmm. you know some, some studies will say it's like 70% of our thoughts every day are negative up to 90% are reoccurring an analogy I like to use when it comes to thoughts, whatever, and I just thought about it, and it's kind of sort of similar to what you said or whatever, but in my mind, it helps me a lot, is if I picture yourself sitting on the edge of uh, the bank of a river, mm-hmm. and the river is flowing from left to right down and then goes around the corner. So then on the left-hand side, just out of distance or whatever like that is, there's like a big tree, okay? And then on that tree, a leaf falls into the river. And every leaf that falls into the river symbolizes a thought. So as that relief is floating down the river, we've got two options. Option one is we can supervise a thought. We can allow the thought. We can see it. We can acknowledge it. But we supervise the thought. And we allow it to go down. We allow it to go out a distance and around the, the corner. And another thought drops down. So that starts to come down. So the second option then is I want to engage in this thought. So I grab the leaf. I pick it out of the river and I start looking at it. I'm like, what the hell does this mean? What's this thought mean? And now all of a sudden when I'm concentrating on this thought, another leaf drops. So now that starts flowing down. So I grab that and I was like, well, does this thought have anything got to do with this leaf? And so then I'm like confused. And before I know another leaf drops down. So then throughout the day then we're grabbing leaves out of the river all the time. We're stacking them beside ourselves and we're like, well, this thought, what, and, and what does this thought mean? And what does this thought? And then we're overwhelmed then because we're engaging in every single thought we have. But the thing about it is we don't have to engage in our thoughts. We aren't our thoughts like you said. We have them, but we aren't them. Mm. But it's only when we engage in them do we allow our thoughts to become us. Mm. But we can supervise our thoughts. We can allow it to just flow on by. Observe. Yeah. Just observe them. 
and supervise them. We don't need to engage in them. I don't need to pick it up out of the river to understand it. Mm. Like say an intrusive thought, I leave here today and I see an old woman walking down the street and I picture an intrusive thought just pops into my head that I mug that old lady, grab her handbag and I run off. Now I've got two options there. I can, I can kind of keep driving and go, oh my God, you're a piece of shit. I can't believe it. Oh my God, you're, 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 you're a terrible person. You're a bad man. And I can think about it for a few days and I can really be critical of myself and think that I'm a bad person for having this intrusive thought. Or I can just laugh and go, that was, that's mad. I thought about mugging an old lady. That was crazy. And laugh it off and just move on. And that's the difference about observing it or engaging in it. That doesn't make me a thief. Because I had a top mugging an old lady. Me thinking about hitting someone or boxing someone doesn't make me violent. You know what I mean? Me stabbing somebody doesn't make me a murderer. Thinking of stabbing. Yeah, thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thinking. Yeah, I should have put that in there. Thanks for the Yeah. But, but like these are just intrusive thoughts. And I think some people, they get themselves really down by just thinking, hang on, I'm having these thoughts. So I am this. I am this bad person. I am this whatever. But you're not. They're only fucking thoughts. You don't have to engage in them. They don't have to become you. And I know I used very, you know, serious, you know, thoughts there or whatever like that is. They can be, they can be little ones as well. You know, but if I engage in it, I become my thoughts. But if I supervise it, my thoughts don't become me. I don't know if that helps. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's you know? a great analogy. I really like that one. Yeah, it is very good. I like that one. Um, just before we finish up, yeah. let me ask you a question. What's your definition of success? What's my definition of success? Jesus. Um, <laughs> What's a success mean to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, look, my definition of success is um, just a lot of the echo, a lot of the stuff we talked about to understand who I am, to be happy on my own skin. Um, and to just be content I understand life isn't set up to win all the time life isn't set up for us to be happy all the time but um, my definition of success is to understand when I'm having a, a good day and to enjoy it or a good week or a good month or whatever it may be and to really enjoy it and when I'm having a bad time is to, is to not beat myself up to show myself compassion and to work on a few little things whatever like that to get myself back into a happy patch again or whatever so success to me would be to to understand myself but not to the point where i scrutinize everything that i'm able to live my life you know so i have that finer balance of looking internally but also living externally that to me is success i don't give a shit about money i don't give a shit about materialistic items objects any of that kind of stuff because i did i did for such a long time and the what you own i think it was in fight club is what you own ends ends up owning you you know and that to me isn't successful to me that to me isn't success that to me to others it is but to me it isn't mm. to me to me it isn't about accumulating things to me it's about you know being content in my own skin being happy with how i'm living uh, giving back to community and um, giving back to people talking to like-minded people you know setting healthy boundaries with people it's it's more of an internal thing than it is uh, when I've got zeros in my bank account. I'm successful. Mm. I had that. I owned a gym. I had all these things, whatever like that, you know. Um, but it never brought me. No, you know, it's the whole Tyson Fury becomes the, 
you know, the heavyweight champion of the world beats Klitschko and then tries to kill himself a few months later, drive his Ferrari into a wall. You got Michael Phelps, 18 odd gold medals or whatever like that. Thinks about taking his own life, falls into a dark depression or whatever like that. You got these people that are reaching the pinnacle of, we'll say, success, the definition of success. These are successful people and are wanting to kill themselves. Okay, something's wrong. You know, so success to me is understanding maybe who I am and not attaching myself to materialistic items or other people's opinions and judgments. So I'm allowed to go around anywhere I want and someone's allowed to call me any name they want <laughs> and have any opinion of me they want and it's none of my business. Yeah. That's my definition of success. Mm-hmm. That I don't allow any of that in. It doesn't change who I am. My qualities, values, strengths and skills don't change because someone calls me a piece of shit. I am still these four things. Mm-hmm. You don't take them away from me. I own them. Mm-hmm. That's me. That's my success. Wow. Very good. Great answer, <laughs> <laughs> it was a great question too. <laughs> well, that's good. Last thing, not that you'd change anything about your life, because otherwise, if everything didn't happen the way it did, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be sitting here right now mm-hmm. doing what you're doing. But if you could give yourself advice, your younger self, 17, 18 year old self, mm. what would it be? Um oh jesus christ wow um i i I do have regret i know people say oh you shouldn't live with regret or whatever but i do i do look back and i do regret maybe putting my family through everything i put them through you know what i mean you know taking drugs and drinking and fighting and all this kind of stuff whatever and them having to kind of you know so there's a lot of things i know everything i've done has taken me here look i understand that yeah look it's my life has gone the way it's gone but I, I i don't look back with any sort of kind of like ill feelings of course maybe like i, I would i do regret like certain situations and scenarios whatever like that but as you said it's gotten me to where i am now so i can't really regret it too much or whatever but if i was to give my younger self it would probably be you are lovable you are lovable you know you don't have to be anybody else you're lovable People can love you and don't be afraid to love others. You are lovable. You are enough. That's what I'd say to him is you are enough and you are lovable. You know, I didn't think I was for a very long time. There's parts of me now, if I'd be completely transparent, I probably don't even fully believe that I am lovable. You know, Mm. and then that's what I'd probably tell my younger self, because if I start to love myself a lot younger, I'd have the work maybe done Mm. by now, you know. But I pushed a lot of people away, romantically, platonically, for a very long time because I didn't think I was lovable. I didn't think I was enough. And I was scared of rejection. Mm. I lived most of my life fearful of rejection, fearing women, and I still do to some part. I'd never ask a girl out. I'd be so afraid of rejection. People say, like, I, I'm, like I'm in shape, I kind of have a few things, whatever. I say, well, like, you act like you're confident, all this kind of stuff, whatever. But I'd still fear uh, to a point of asking uh, a woman out or to make a move or any of that kind of stuff. So I think if I was to go back, I would figure out and appreciate love more, understand how to express it and receive it and and convince myself, not even convince, sorry, to work on myself to a point where I was lovable. Nice one. uh, Thanks for your honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last, that one as well. yeah. The 
The only other thing is, if anybody would like to reach out to you, mm-hmm. how do they contact you? Uh, well, look, you can find me on Instagram at Niall Minnelli or Munnelly Counseling, <laughs> and uh, same on Facebook as well. You know, um, so they can reach out on my social media platforms if they want and contact me, message me. I always message everyone back, and um, I also put out a lot of content around mental health or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's where the, where they can find me, and it's like. Uh, even like yeah, I think when I did tell you at the retreat eventually after uh, like nearly two days together I eventually disclosed that I was a psychotherapist yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was a big shock yeah. so you're like oh my god what you're a psychotherapist so I don't kind of fit like you know the the um the, say the mold or the construct you know of a psychotherapist I want to be kind of you know psychotherapists at times or whatever are told to kind of live in the shadows you know live in the uh, as a ghost nearly have no social medias don't say anything and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Don't have any photos or any of that kind of stuff, whatever, where I'm just trying to like, you know, maybe not go against it. Like, oh, you know, mm. status quo, whatever like that is. <laughs> but kind of like to put stuff out there that I feel is relevant. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to mm. push the barriers on mental health. So I share a lot of that stuff on my on my Instagram and Facebook. So if you even want to go and just snoop every once in a while and dip in and dip out, um, yeah, by all means, kind of do that or whatever. But the, the stuff I share... Um, isn't really like how to get rid of a panic attack or anxiety attack as I'm trying to talk about stuff that I feel is relevant in today's day and age mm. stuff when I go to schools or colleges that questions that are being asked I'm trying to I'm trying to put all that stuff out there you know instead of kind of keeping it safe um, but I'm keeping it safe to a point where it's like hopefully it's not triggering but um, so yeah that's where people can find me in a long-winded answer <laughs> cheers now thank oh, you cheers. very Thanks, much brother. for having me guys thank you thank you so much Pleasure. for having me Thanks. No worries, man.